You are listening to Smorgasbord, a Jcast Network podcast. This week's episode is a special episode produced by a group of sixth graders at the JJP, the Jewish Journey Project. For more information about Smorgasbord and the Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Jewish Journey Project, please go to jewishjourneyproject.org. Hello, my name is Aaron Fleischer, and I care very deeply about equal rights for every human being on Earth. Hi, my name is Zachary Kaplan, and I care about the refugee crisis. Hi, my name is Katherine Auerbach, and I care about pollution. Hi, my name is Nora Gutman, and I care about feeding the hungry. Hi, my name is Daniel Talisman, and I care about poverty. Hi, my name is Bonjo Noom, I care about the refugee crisis. Hi, my name is Benjamin Tom, and I care about global warming. <laughs> Hey, this is the JJP Radio Lab class. For the past semester, we have been studying various real-world topics such as empowerment, social justice, climate justice, diversity, the refugee crisis, and tikkun olam, which means making the world a better place. First, we will tell you about what we learned about Judaism and social justice. Social justice Mm -hmm. is an aspect of what Judaism is about, and it's a Jewish value. Tikkun olam, uh, tzedakah, these are all uh, commandments in the Torah yeah. that have to do with social justice. Tzedek, tzedek, tirdaf means justice, justice, you shall pursue. Uh, justice, justice, you shall pursue that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God gave you. Mm-hmm. Um, to Find justice, justice like, with like, justice. So when you want to achieve something like righteousness, you have to use righteousness to achieve it. Mm-hmm. You can't achieve something um, good if you're doing it the wrong way. You shall find, you shall find and justice. follow justice. You can't be trying to find justice by giving other people injustice. After the Jews were expelled from Spain, Rabbi Isaac Luria offered the displaced people an explanation of creation that could help them make sense of becoming a scattered people in isolated places. It told them why God had sent them there, to gather the holy sparks that had fallen all over the world. At the time of creation, God sent holy vessels into the world, like a fleet of ships, each carrying its cargo of light. Had they all arrived unbroken, the world would have been perfect. But the vessels were too fragile to contain such a powerful divine light. They broke open, and the holy sparks were scattered like sand, like seeds, like stars. This is why we were created, to gather the sparks, no matter where they are hidden. This is Tikkun Olam. God, it was really dark at that time in history, yeah. so God said, let there be light. And Rabbi Isaac Luria wanted them not to lose hope because he knew deep down in his heart that through social justice, they could find a way to survive. They could have hope, and he wanted all these people to have hope and not just losing them, which goes back to the phrase of these ten vessels crashing, but then but repairing them as to repairing the world. This idea of repairing the world comes from the story of these vessels that God made when he created the world shattering. Oh. And what we're doing when we're repairing the world is we're putting those light vessels back together through small exactly. acts of, of kindness. Yeah. 
This idea of tikkun olam is what? Repairing the world is, is doing what? Is um, going through social justice. After we learned about the general ideas of social justice, we have focused on the issue of refugees around the world. For many people, when they hear the word refugee, the current issue with Syrian refugees comes to mind. However, refugees come from all sorts of places with one common reason for fleeing, violence, harm. Almost any refugee runs, runs away from destruction and, or any equally horrific matters such as natural disasters or persecution because of their race, religion, nationality, political opinions, social group, or overall their identity. Citizens become refugees when their rights as a human being and community member become violated and or threatened, and the government or community leaders unable or unwilling to serve or protect those rights. This opposes from the ideal morals of a stable government stated in the United States Declaration of Independence. Quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, unquote. This is why that as a believer in the ideas and beliefs of Judaism, it is important to accept these refugees and strangers because inside we are all strangers. We are all alone. We all accept a loving and caring hand to pick us up when we are down and never want others to leave us behind. As it says in Vayikra Leviticus 1933-34, quote, the stranger among you shall be like one of you. You shall love him like yourself because you were strangers in the land of Egypt, unquote. Thank you. So Daniel, what's an issue that you feel is important? One issue that's important to me is the Syrian refugee crisis. And this is a very important issue because the, the, the crisis is that there's m many thousands of people who are stuck, stranded without a home, and other countries won't let them through their borders. We were lucky to be able to interview Irene, who works with refugees as a legal advocate. We learned about the many legal and social challenges of living without status or working towards gaining legal status. Many of the questions were about the upcoming election, which led to a discussion of Obama's DAPA executive action and of life as a refugee as a child. We do have a lot of children with citizenship whose parents don't, and you know we don't want kids to grow up by themselves. They all need their mom and dad. Who wins the presidency will determine you know, whether that is advanced, that effort is advanced, or maybe whether it's withdrawn. If you, you know, if you put yourself in a refugee perspective, you're just trying to get out. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter which country it is or what their politics is. You know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen them in news like Greece, like people lost their family members on the road. It was very dangerous. And, you know, at that point, I didn't, they, I'm, I'm sure they didn't think, oh, let's go to Spain because, you know, we love the beach there, like, they're probably just trying to go wherever they are. I, I just, I just understand how these people could feel. Yes. No one, no one on this world should be yes. feeling that way. Um, is there anything that you are gonna do to help this? Yeah. So I've sent letters to the to the president and government officials and urging them to try and help with this crisis. I've actually written a letter to 
um, Ambassador Samantha Powers, and it was very convincing, so I hope that she takes it into consideration what I've actually said. I bought you a new one. What's your topic that you would like to talk about? I'd like to talk about refugees. And I think it's important to do that because it's part of Takino Alum. By helping the refugees, we are we're gathering the light. My name is Nora Gutman. I am concerned about the issue of feeding the hungry because all my life I've seen people on the streets begging for money because they're, they don't have any food or anything. When these two people came in to, um, to tell us about what they do, they told us about how they help people that are homeless and hungry and so one of them helped with their immediate issues by like giving them food and giving them a home and um, to keep them, to help them right now. And the other one gave them things to help them with their, to help them in the future, like gave them jobs so then later, once they earn enough money, they're able to, um, uh, help themselves instead of depending on other people to help them. In New York, I feel like from my point of view as a New Yorker, it is a very big issue because I'm, like I said earlier, I'm always seeing people on the streets. Like it's part of, uh, it's part of my, becomes part of my life now. Like, The guests Nora are referring to are Larissa and Anna, who joined us to speak about economic empowerment in their respective places of work. Anna joined us from the Center for Urban Community Services, where she works as a supervisor in a supported employment program that assists people with severe and persistent mental illness in finding and keeping jobs. Larissa spoke about her role as a social action coordinator at B'nai Jeshurun on the Upper West Side, where she oversees the synagogue's homeless shelter and lunch program. We prepared for our discussion with them by participating in a virtual simulation of urban poverty called Spent. When we balanced constrained decisions between buying groceries and what kinds, and a gift for our children, we learned about the fragility of living on a month-to-month -month budget and how quickly things can spiral out of control. Like Nora mentioned, Larissa and Anna spoke to us about the immediate and long-term approaches towards economic empowerment among some of the city's most vulnerable. We learned about stigma and how to overcome it, and the balance of working with people as partners and providing the assistance that our place of privilege allows and requires of us. One of the primary focuses of what we talked about was a strengths-based approach to empowerment. I think that if you were coming and you were talking to a social worker about that, one of the things they might also talk about besides the problems you're having is what are the strengths that you have that uh, yeah. are going to help that? Uh, even, though, even though I'm terrible at math. Yeah, you have a strength? I'm, I'm, a spelling, I'm a spelling genius. I can spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious without making any mistakes. So I think that's a really good example of, of having a strengths-based focus because you're able to say, like, okay, I struggle with math, but I'm really good at spelling. So there's this other thing that I have that I have a strength in, and it might help me with, with other things. To better understand the strengths-based approach, we did a case study with a hypothetical person named Mr. A. 
We're trying to figure out how to help Mr. A get a job. That's his goal. There's a bunch of different things we can help him with. So the first thing is that when you get a job, there's some basic things you need. So one of the things you need is a resume, right, which is paper format with all your jobs experience on it, your education, all of that. Um, you might need a copy of your degree to show that you have this training. Um, you need interview clothes to go on an interview. You need metro cards to get on the subway to go to the interview. Um, so these are all things that we could help him with. Where I think a lot of times, you know, people say, oh, it's really good to help people. It's really nice to be helpful. Um, but I think the most helpful thing that you can do is help somebody else figure out how they can be helpful to themselves and also to their community. So I think in my job, what I really like is that we work with people and we consider them partners, even though maybe I'm the social worker and I'm the person that, you know, maybe has more education or more training. Whenever I'm meeting with my clients, I think of us as like equals because they know themselves better than I know them. And I think that that's actually a better way to get things done. Like it's not just like, oh, it feels good. Like empowerment feels good. It's really, it's really the best way to get things done because I'm sure you guys all probably know more about yourself than you know, another person, a stranger coming in and telling you the best way to do things. So I think it's probably the best way to make any kind of change. Yeah, and I guess for me, uh, one of the things that I love about our programs is that, um, so our lunch program, I don't know if you guys are familiar with any soup kitchens or volunteered at any, but um, a lot of the soup kitchens that I've had experience with before, you go in, you get a tray, you go through a line to get food. Um, so, you know, you're, you're like you're receiving it in a way that's not very dignified. And for our lunch program, you come in, there are tables, like at a restaurant, you sit down and you actually have people who like wait on you, who bring food to you. Um, so we really, and for our homeless shelter, it's, it's a very similar, um, we have like a family style meal and it's really a warm and welcoming place. And um, one of the things that we really strive to do in all of our direct service programs is to treat people with dignity and to provide um, our services in a way that's empowering. Um, as much as it can be um, and to create that environment so people feel welcomed and they don't feel like they're being treated as if they're any different. We also learned about some of the more thorny elements of providing these services for people and tied them into our past conversations about refugees and others seeking legal status in the U.S. Why do you have to legally be allowed? Why? 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 Your program only open to people who are either U.S. citizens or have a green card. Why is it open question. to any random person That's a who very needs good help? That's a very good question. So, because we get um, funding from the government, we do have to follow the laws. So it's because we're a work program. So you know, as I was saying, only some people are legally allowed to work, which seems kind of weird, right? I mean, shouldn't anybody be allowed to work? So I don't necessarily agree with that rule, but that's the, that's the law that only certain people that have a certain status are allowed to work. And so we're only allowed to help those people work because we get money from the government. So if we're breaking the law, they're not going to want to give us money and then we're not able to help anyone. But I think that's a very good question. And, and a lot of times money is um, money that's given to nonprofits and other organizations comes with rules. That's one of the hard things about working for a nonprofit is you're, you're asking someone you're to give you money and then you have to sometimes go by their rules that you right. might not fully agree. Is that all? How does Judaism influence your position on this problem? 
Um, so I would say for me, I mean, my biggest connection to Judaism is social justice. The thing that I'm proudest about um, in terms of being a Jew is how much social justice is a really big part of that. Um, so that's kind of my motivation. Like every day when I go to work, I feel like there's things that are really wrong in society and I want to try to help make them right. Um, so I think it's really important for there both to be work kind of like what we're doing and what synagogues are doing and other nonprofits where are feeding people who need food or are giving them shelter and also like the work that Anna does with, with job searching to really provide people with a stable future so that they can provide for themselves. And the goal is always that at the end at the end of when this person is participating in our program that they wouldn't eventually need this like assistance from us because they would be able to go out, they would be able to get a job, you know, support themselves in the community and maybe even help other people find jobs from the skills they learn. In our last sessions, we had the privilege to hear from young people who are taking such passions and turning them into real change. Mikey and Marielle from LaGuardia High School joined us to share their experiences with climate justice advocacy and the power of Jewish institutions like BBYO in social change. It's really a justice issue. It's unjust that it's happening like the way it is. So the islands that are, are on the verge of being wiped out, these are not the people that cause climate change for the most part. The, the countries that have contributed to climate change the most are the bigger, more industrialized countries like the United States, China, Great Britain, other countries in Europe. And these countries are not nearly as threatened by climate change. Harlem is an amazing neighborhood. It has so much historical significance. But the people that live there were live right next to a sewer plant that was emitting toxic gases. So that's a small-scale example of climate as a justice issue, how it affects some people unfairly as opposed to others. And when I was in elementary school, I started learning about these things, and I kept learning more and more, and I just became more active, and now I'm in high school working on real projects and campaigns trying to fight climate change, which, as you get older, you can all do too. Having, like, BBYO in your life, it allows you to be connected with your own Judaism and explore other people's views, explore your own views, and explore who you are as a Jewish person and just a person. And maybe you really like doing community service and are really into tikkun olam or repairing the world and giving back to others. And it gives you the opportunity to do those things and make a difference and you can really do anything you want and there's such a huge network of there are 400,000 alumni from BBYO and some of those people are really important and work for huge organizations like Google or Facebook. If you have an idea you can implement it so easily no matter how old you are. And when you have 2,400 people going to do community service for even a few hours that creates such a huge impact and can affect so many people's lives just because one person got together with like 2,400 other people and all did this for a few hours and like that can impact 10,000 people. There's social, there's opportunity for social change everywhere. Each of our guests helped us understand a different way to approach social justice. Though the problems of the world may seem overwhelming and we don't know where to begin, we remember a lesson from our first guest, Emma Price. 
Something that I also think about a lot is the fact that social justice can happen like on a relationship level between two people if you like treat people how they should be treated. So like you working together in Chavruta and learning from one another and teaching each other, that's a really small act of social justice in that you are talking and allowing somebody to be heard. Thank you listeners and the Jewish Journey Project for allowing us all to be heard. Thank you Thank to you Emma Price, Irene Wang, Ari Sotok, Anna Schwartz, Larissa Wool, Mikey Lampel, Marielle Roberts, Maria, Apple, Microsoft, YouTube, and the Jewish Journey Project at the JCC. <laughs>